Sports Radio Network. Contest the bottom line. The stone gold steps up. Everybody dies. Because I'm better than you, and you know it. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the only wrestling shark talk show here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Off the Mat. I'm Alex Slows. With me, my partner in crime up in New York, Long Island, is Lyle Gillen. How are you doing, Lyle? How's your week been? I'm doing wonderful. I can't wait for this weekend when I get to uh, meet Darby Allen uh, and Cole. And I get to have a horrible time meeting MJF at Comic-Con. It's going to be terrible. He's disgusting. Can't wait to have a terrible time. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun at the, uh, at the, uh, the meeting all the wrestlers for AEW. But before we get started, here's how you can follow us and Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can follow the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio. That is WWSRN underscore radio. You can follow us. You can follow us individually. Me at show slows on Twitter. Follow Lyle Gillen on Twitter at Lyle Gillen underscore and follow Josh Silverberg at Josh Silverberg on Twitter. Also, don't forget to download the app. It is absolutely free. It doesn't cost anything. And you get exclusive access to all of our content, including episodes you may have missed, uh, clips from shows, uh, replays of audio from our shows, also article blogs from all of our hosts here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and show profiles and bios. So please, please be sure to download that app and Please always keep listening. Always keep checking out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network as we continue to grow. And please, if you want to call into the show, you can. And I have the, I have Facebook up on my phone, so who anyone who wants to leave a comment, I'll be able to read those comments as the show progresses tonight. So, while I'm going to hand it over to you, we we. Do we we are supposed to have a special guest? I think, but he hasn't arrived yet. Uh yeah. If he's not here, we will uh, wait for him. Um, but Alex, why don't you tell us everybody about the the uh, website? Yes, the, the Off the Mat WWSRN website. It is apps. Uh, we have uh, the website link is in our Twitter bio at Off the Mat WWSRN. You click on that link, it'll take you to the Off the Mat website. You get a Show and pay-per-view schedule for the months of September running into October for all the big wrestling events that are happening, as well as uh, our, our show archive, which you can replay. And uh, we, have, we have a show archive, which you can click on and watch all of our past broadcasts, as well as we have as well as check out all the past articles that me and Lyle have written 
those are available on the website as well. We have a contact page if you want to contact us directly and uh, message one of us about being a special guest on our show. Also, we have a, I think we, I forget what else we have on that website, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's, um, it's your website. What are you? I'm blanking out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always up. To, I'm always up to speed on it, updating it a lot. So please be sure to check that out. Got so so much more content available for off the mat and here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. How can everybody find the website, Alex? It's in the Twitter bio, like our so, Twitter. Description. What is that Twitter account? Uh, off the mat at off the mat WWSRN. We're waiting for Alfred to come on. We're yeah, we're waiting for Alfred. Um. Black representation in AEW, people of color representation in AEW, and we're gonna touch on NXT. We're gonna touch mm-hmm. on AEW. Um, gonna be a fun interview. So, so stick around. Card. Um, but until he gets here, maybe you can tell everybody about MLW in the meantime. Absolutely. So for MLW, they are having a show on Thursday, October October seventh. It will air on Vice TV. It is a pre-taped pre-recorded event and the, the the match card for this event the first match is a title versus title match jacob batu against alex hammerstone and the second match is an opera cup opening round match tom lawler versus davy richards third match is uh, opera cup as well bobby fish against lee moriarty uh the fourth match is an opera opera cup match calvin tankman against matt cross and then the fifth match is opera cup as well tjp the newest member of united empire against alex shelley and then the mlw world middleweight championship match myron reed will be defending his title against aramis ariz tajiri Hollydeed, and nicole 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 salvoy and then the last two matches is Lost Parks versus 5150, and then the final match is a 12-man survival tag team match. So this sounds like it's going to be an amazing show. I cannot wait to see how all these matches take place, how they all go down, who who fights to survive and comes out of this pay-per-view alive, and who who is still champion at the end of this, at the end of this pay-per-view. So I am very much excited to see how that goes. Uh, I'm not sure what the time is on it, the air date, but I will find that soon. Hopefully, I'll get to you guys on that soon. So I believe our special guest is here now, Lyle, so I'm going to hand that over to you. Well, thank you, Alex, and uh, thank you for telling us about the fantastic MLW card. Looking forward to uh, watching that. But special guest of of today is Alfred Kanua, and he is from the NXT recap show on Wrestling Inc. and he also works for Forbes. How are you doing today? Thanks, you guys, for having me. Good to be on this show. I heard you guys talking about the MLW show. I'm very much looking forward to that on Thursday. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. We're excited to uh, no problem, have you on the show. We are excited to have you on. Uh, I've, I've been excited about this interview all week because I've seen your profile. I've seen the uh, the uh, picture up uh, in your uh, attachment that you had a one-on-one interview with Bret Hart. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that was a fun interview. That was in Calgary. I got to go to Canada to his home for Forbes a couple of years ago. 
And that was really fun. I mean, he he's a good interview because he t- he talks a lot. He like kind of filibusters. So you're going to get a response, uh, uh, very long answers from Brett, but you get a lot of insight and information as to how he views the business. You know, he doesn't hold back in terms of the things that he says, and he's always a great interview. That's amazing. I, I would like to hear that story eventually one time whenever we have you back on, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, all kinds. I got to see his pool table. He's got this awesome, like, pink and black pool table, uh, you cool. know, instead of a traditional pool table. That uh, And then it, in the room, there's just pictures of Bret Hart everywhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I actually tried looking you up and finding out more information about you, and on YouTube, it popped up. You do stand-up comedy? Oh, yeah, definitely. Every night. I did not, uh, I do I did not know that. Yeah, no, I love it, man. I do it. Uh, uh, you know, my you know goal, in addition to a lot of the other stuff that I'm doing, is is to be a stand up comic. That's like the number one chief goal that I have. And and you know, I'm I'm a stand up comic. I consider myself a comedian and even a professional comedian. But I mean, just doing it exclusively as a living. And uh, you know, I would still be able to do like you know podcasting and the stuff I'm doing for Forbes because that's all digitally. But I, I just want stand up to be a bigger part of my life. And throughout the pandemic, I really worked hard to continue to do stand up and you know doing virtual shows and even some shows that they were having around the country wherever I could. But you know, I absolutely love. Well, from what I've seen of you in your uh, wrestling podcast and everything, you are very funny. So I think you'll be very successful in that. Thank you, I appreciate that. No problem. I wanted to get in uh, to what the reason why we wanted to have you on. It's a very hot subject right now is uh, representation in AEW and in wrestling. Um, I know I've spoken to you a little bit, bit about it on Twitter. Um, I think everybody agrees that WWE is heading in the right direction of having more representation. And AEW being the number two right now, they don't have as much. And I want to talk to you about where you think that issue really stemmed from. Do you think that came from them being a company that started from the indie scene? Because I remember being a part of, uh, it was a Spaces on Twitter, and Swole was talking about it, and she talked about how difficult it is for people of color to really get booked on the indie scene. So I don't. I want your opinion on how you think that translated to AEW, on how that issue now is shown in AEW. Do you think that is a reflection of the indie scene? Yes, you hit the nail on the head, Lyle, and so did Big Swole. And I, I don't want to villainize the indie scene uh, because this is more of a product of professional wrestling as a whole. It all trickles down from the top. And not only WWE, but pro wrestling in general has a very ugly history of racism and the way that they yeah. portray Absolutely. and cast you know, black people, Latinos, you know, all kinds of people, but particularly black people get the brunt of that uh, because we don't have that rich history. You know, you know, Latino talent, they do have like AAA and CMLL, places they can go that are predominantly Latino. Uh, Same with Japan, but black people don't have that. And so the fact that we are marginalized like that in wrestling really hurts us. And And I do think that the fact that AEW leans in to that indie mentality and the way that they do things on the indies, it is a reflection of that culture. And it is uh, a predominantly white culture in terms of the indies and the people who get over in that type of wrestling and the people who they appreciate and the people who Tony Khan knows are gonna be over from day one. Uh, So I do think that that's just a product of the system. And I don't think that AEW completely understood that when they started the company because all this talk about them being so diverse, you know, I don't even know if they, I'm sure they did have black people in mind, you know, Brandy Rhodes was their first um, black executive vice president of a national wrestling company, the way they like to tell everybody and pat themselves on the back for it. 
but I don't think they understood the challenge that they are facing in terms of having black people become a part of the system in terms of AW. Me from the outside looking in, I don't think it should be that much of a challenge because I've seen people who aren't necessarily known on the wrestling scene go into AEW like Jungle Boy, like MJF, like Orange Cassidy. They're not national major names and they were able to make them into certifiable stars. Yet they get a little gun shy when it comes to black talent. And that's something that we see to this day. I do think they have gotten a little bit better. Um, and if we look at how they're booking Will Hobbs, I think he's going to be the guy to take the belt from Sammy Guevara. He's a big heel right now. They're really pushing him as a heel. Sammy's a big face. I think it's a perfect marriage between them eventually down the line. Um, I know I've mentioned to you Lee Moriarty. And now you talk about, you do the NXT post show. And I know you uh, talk negatively of having all the, uh, a lot of people on dark often. Now, what do you think the biggest difference is of when NXT was on the network and they had all the indie talent and where AEW, they do have some good people of color that are talented, but they're mainly on dark. So what is the big difference of, of when WWE would have that good talent on the network for NXT and now how AEW is having that good talent on dark? Well, so because... Yeah, like NXT is a different scenario than what AEW Dark is because NXT yeah. is a developmental territory where a lot of people, you know, that's pretty much what they tell you. I know the old NXT was a super indie and it was put on national television to kind of go head to head with AEW. So NXT is really levels above what AEW Dark is because the first couple of episodes of NXT did over a million viewers and they were yeah. on USA Network and they're much more prominent. And it's not like they're taking the Biggies and the Bobby Lashleys and the Bianca Belairs of the world and hiding them on NXT. You know, you've got uh, the Biggies and the top stars in WWE in terms of the New Day and uh, a lot of the black talent that they have on WWE's main roster. But at the same time, at, on NXT, they're developing talent too. And I think they're doing it in a good way in that, you know, right underneath, they've got Hit Row, they've got Odyssey Jones, and they've got a lot of diversity. And it's not seen as a way that, okay, we're just going to put all of our black talent on NXT and, and then we're going to have all the real stars on the main roster. If, you know, these stars who are on the main roster right now that, you know, I just mentioned, like Sasha Banks even, were all on NXT. Yes, then you'd be hearing from me. And, you know, I don't think people will remember, I've been doing this for years in terms of, I used to be brutal on WWE for how I thought. You know, what I'm doing right now and talking about AEW is child's play to some of the things I've said, uh, you know, frustrated with how WWE has portrayed black people. And so the difference there, I think, would be that A, NXT is way more you know, high profile than an AEW Dark in terms of its viewership. And B, it's a developmental territory that does not you know, apologize for being a developmental territory. That's what it's always been. And so in addition to WWE having a main roster contingent that does have black stars who are able to thrive, they also have a developmental where you're starting to see guys like Odyssey Jones, Kit Row, uh, a lot of different talents like that uh, thrive on NXT. So my question is, how how has the independent scene, how has it changed to give people of color more chances and exposure? Because uh, there's actually two guys in the uh, wrestling business that I know that I I have worked with uh, down here in Florida in the independent scene. They are Jake St. Patrick and uh, I'm trying to, it'll come to me, hold on. Uh, Jake St. Patrick and... I know his. I, I, it takes me a little bit to 
process his name, but he's a, he's well known down here. He's been a cruiserweight champion for ACW, and uh, I I feel like if a, if AEW and Tony Khan gave these two guys a chance to move up from the AEW dark roster onto Dynamite, I feel like they could get more exposure there because I haven't seen a. Uh, I haven't seen many matches from them in AEW Dark, and that's kind of disappointing to me because they're very talented guys. They they bust their butts every day. Yeah, to your point, Alex, uh, I don't think people understand that there is a lot of talent in general on the indie scene, but also black talent. I get this all the time where people are like, well, who are all the talented black athletes that are around there on the indie scene? There's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. I was sing, singing Lee Moriarty's praises, you know, weeks before he got signed by AEW. And there are, all we really need is an opportunity. All any talent really needs is a platform to shine and a commitment from AEW. This is a worked sport. This is fake professional wrestling where you can manipulate a lot of situations to make people stars when you feel they're fit. Okay, so all the excuses about them being green or not ready and this, that and the other. I just don't understand why black talent has to be so prepared and ready and perfect before they get the push. Whereas Jungle Boy still has a lot of flaws in his games, especially, uh, you know, as a promo that they are able to mask effectively and make him into a star. So uh, all you really need is an opportunity. Dante Martin, one minute and 21 seconds. You know, I, I timed it. He had a comeback for one minute and 21 seconds, completely tore the house down really became what I thought was an overnight sensation. And then he just disappeared from television. You're telling me they couldn't have capitalized on that by having him do that same thing for a minute and 21 seconds for for 81 seconds. You could make 81 seconds for him to do that again and maybe slowly develop his promo skills or if he can't cut a promo as well, put it with somebody who can like they do with Jungle Boy and hide that weakness um, and and really commit to that. And I'm sure they're going to do that in time, but I don't think that's a viable excuse either in terms of, well, let's just wait it out and see, because that's never been a a great formula for black people. Yeah. And I feel like uh, putting Jake Sam Patrick and Sage Scott. Yeah. That's who it is. Sage Scott. If you moved them up to the main roster and gave them a chance against a tag team, like uh, Scorpio sky and Ethan page, you, you got something really good there. You really Absolutely. do. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, all you need to do, you know, because this is a wrestling company, it's a television company, you know, maybe not just throw them out there cold so nobody knows who the hell they are, but tell us who they are, Have give them a little mic time, uh, you know, do something, a gimmick maybe to get us interested in these characters and then uh, put them out there against more of the prominent tag teams and they don't necessarily have to win. You know, I'm not even asking for a world champion. I'm not asking, oh, this guy's got to win this title. Uh, this guy's got to win that title. I'm asking for character development. I'm asking for fully developed character. I know where Britt Baker's from. You know, I know everything about Britt Baker because they tell me. She's from Pittsburgh. She's a god over there. I don't know where the hell Will Hobbs is from. I don't know who Lee Johnson's daddy is. I know who Jungle Boy's daddy is. Like, they don't tell us anything about these guys. <laughs> no, that's very true. They did have that segment, though, with Lee Johnson at one point. When he explained why he's called Big Shoddy, but besides that, I, I don't, I don't think they ever have really shown background of people that aren't the white young talent that they have. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. I want to ask you a uh, a question. I don't know if you have a biggest observation that I have that WWE did, and when they were releasing and doing the mass releases, they really didn't release many black people. Right, the majority of the people they released were white people, mm-hmm. and if you go going back. Nick Khan said that he wants to start making WWE more diverse. Now, if I remember back, Eric Bischoff 
when he wanted to compete with WWE, he said that they wanted to be as completely different from WWE as possible. So do you think this is something similar that WWE is intentionally doing when they were releasing people? They were, re- were releasing their top white talent so that then they could make that, that distinction between AEW and WWE. But that's an interesting point you bring up, Lyle. Um, I've never really thought about that, but now that you bring it up, uh, in terms of WWE, I don't think that they're saying, okay, AEW is a white company, we're going to do that. I don't think very much a lot of people were, have kind of noticed that about AEW until certain people started making a little bit noise about it. I think WWE has always wanted uh, a certain type of, not maybe not always, but They've always wanted a, a certain type of diversity in terms of different cultures. Like we want uh, Hispanic talent to connect with our Hispanic markets. We want Chinese talent to connect with our Chinese market, this, that, and the other. Uh, so they've always had an eye on being like a global company so that they can go around the world, get some Saudi Arabian talent maybe. Uh, so that's always been part of their blueprint uh, in terms of being a company that's eclectic. In terms of all these releases, I think the reason that not a lot of black talent got released it's funny because it speaks to the benefit of the doubt that white people get in terms of they have so many people sign because maybe they saw a white talent like, oh, you know what? He might not have something, but let's just see what he's got and we'll sign him. I don't think we get that benefit of the doubt. Again, black talent has to be perfect. Any black talent who got signed by WWE is somebody that they probably said, okay, well, this guy's great. He's twice as good as the uh, as other guys that were competition. So let's sign him and they have a plan for him. So there is so a uh, few black people talent uh, signed that I think that the people that they sign who are black talent are are people who are so good and so much better, you know, that they were able to get into WWE. And that's why that they still have a job. In terms of a lot of the white talent, they, you don't have to be as good, uh, I think. I think you're, it's easier to get the benefit of the doubt. And once it's proven that maybe you weren't as good as they thought you were, okay, then they'll cut bait. But I don't think it's viewed with black talent that same way. With black talent, if they sign you, you have to be so you have to be Gable Stevenson, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Bobby Lashley has the greatest physique I've ever seen in my life. Bianca Belair, one of the greatest athletes to ever walk through WWE. They have that Lash legend, that seven-foot woman who used to play in the WNBA, probably the greatest athlete who's ever come through WWE. Montez Ford, the greatest athlete, same thing. Kofi Kingston, we've seen him in the Royal Rumble, one of the greatest athletes you'll ever see. Big E, one of the strongest men you'll ever see. Mark Henry, the strongest man in the world. Look at all these accolades. The Miz isn't the strongest anything in the world. You know, the Miz is just Miz, and he's very talented and charismatic, but there's nothing larger than life or superhuman about some guys like Miz or a Buddy Murphy or anything like that. So, yeah, those guys will get cut bait. But if you're yeah. black, if you want to get signed by WWE, you better be the greatest something of all time. Yeah, kind of like Ahmed Johnson if you look back into, like, the Attitude Era days. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, that guy – and that's it's funny because he didn't age well, but that's, like – one of the first wrestlers that made me think of wrestling in terms of racially, like I was a Hulk Hogan guy. I was a Macho Man Randy Savage fan, yeah. huge Sting fan, huge Ultimate Warrior. And I didn't even, you know, when I was a kid, you don't really understand like race or stuff like that. Uh, and once I saw Ahmed Johnson start getting a push and winning, it felt really good. Like it was like watching a member of your family win. And so uh, it's like, oh, wow, man, this needs to go on a lot more. My next question is, uh, how would you compare uh, res- black wrestlers of today to the past ones? Similar, kind of like uh, Tony Atlas and Dw- uh, Soul Man Rocky Johnson. How would you compare tag teams like that to tag teams like the New Day? Well, uh, I think it's night and day in a lot of ways. 
um, in terms of the New Day is presented as like ambassadors to WWE in addition to being this great tag team, this all-time great tag team. WWE ranked them as their greatest tag team of all time, which surprised me. And, you know, I would tend to agree in terms of them at least being a top five tag team. Uh, but New Day also is out there. They've got their own podcast. WWE sends them out on media tour. You can tell WWE loves them. They merchandise them. And up, then up, the tag down, down. their own YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> up, up, down, down. They, they, this is a global brand, the, the New Day, in terms of how WWE has marketed and fostered them. Uh, and in terms of Tony Atlas and Soul Man Rocky Johnson, you know, they're just, they're just two black guys who won a tag team title. And it's like, good for you. But, you know, there's only so far that they were going to go. So they were not three dimensional. They were just two incredible athletes who, um, you know, trailblazers for sure, but did not get the type of opportunities that the New Day is getting now in terms of being a fully fleshed out team where not only are they great tag team, they're very funny. They get to cut promos. They get to be ambassadors for the company. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing a lot more in terms of the whole spectrum of what they can offer as a talent to WWE. So that, that's a great question. And that would be a big difference between those two teams. Absolutely. And I'm really excited to see the thing that's airing on Netflix, Escape the Undertaker with the New Day. I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of, you know, wrestling fans, you guys know, they could be so cynical about everything. I'm like, oh, that's going <laughs> to suck. This, a lot of people are really excited about this, and myself included, because I grew up in the 90s, which was the choose your own adventure books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this is going to be. So I'm really excited about that in terms of seeing the different possibilities. I might write a piece in terms of like, here's where it goes if you go here and there and some of the greatest <laughs> selections you can make and maybe come up with the perfect scenario that you can choose for the perfect Escape the Undertaker movie. <laughs> it's so, going to be great. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I think it's going to be received very well by Netflix and wrestling fans around the world. Yeah. I love that it's on Netflix too. It's, so it's in front of a bigger audience. I know wrestling tends to be niche. And even on Netflix, it's probably just going to attract wrestling fans. But, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of millions of people who watch Netflix who, you know, Netflix has that new thing that it says play something where it'll automatically show you yeah. something. And it does favor a lot of the newer content. So maybe somebody doesn't know what to watch on Netflix, which is a lot of us, right? And you do play something and it shows you this thing and you're just like, what is going on here? Well, I'll give this a chance. And maybe you end up liking it. I hope so. That, that, they definitely need more viewers WWE right now. They've lost so much since the pandemic. Yeah, they have. The past couple of years, in fact. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Wanna, Several years. So I want to get to my next question. Um, now, AEW has signed a bunch of top talent coming out of WWE. Um, and they've been putting them on every show. Which we have all seen and talked about. It's taken away opportunity from some of their black, younger talent. Do you think any of this is coming from TNT, that they want to take the established names and have them on the card over taking some of the younger guys and bringing them up because they have no problem having Hobbs on every week. Lee Johnson is just coming back on every, every week. He's been on a, a few times the last month and a half. So do you think that TNT has any is any part of why some of these guys aren't getting these opportunities? necessarily i do think that tnt definitely sees values and you know especially when it comes to the bigger names like sting like i, I know tnt was very upset when they just rolled out sting and didn't yeah. advertise it and you know guys who could pop a rating well, why wouldn't they be you know i have no problem and, and i want to make it very clear about when i'm talking about aew and the racial disparities and stuff like that i'm not saying jungle boy needs to go away and these guys need to replace all these guys i'm very much happy with how aew has run their business and and presented pro wrestling i think it's a very entertaining product i wouldn't be advocating for black people to be featured in aew if i didn't think it was entertaining because i want to be entertained by what they're doing right now and by my own people 
Uh, I think uh, TNT definitely has a, a part in this, in that they want more established names on there, but if any television company is going to do that. Um, I think it's up to AEW to foster and create a, a lot of those names. And I don't think TNT would ever step in and say, wait a minute, we don't know who this guy is. Pump the brakes on that guy. It's up to AEW as bookers, you know, as carnies, really, who their job is to present this talent to people in a way that's going to get you to invest. That can be done with a lot of people, pretty much anybody who's on the roster right now. I mean, they wouldn't have signed these people to the roster if they didn't think that it could be done in terms of, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to come up with a character for this person. I'm going to give them TV time. I'm going to invest. And so I think AEW shares most of that blame. And TNT is just, they're just networks. They're bean counters. They're counting uh, money. And I don't think that they're looking in this in the way that, well, we need this certain demographic in terms of people who we want on our network. So my next question is, uh, what did you think of Scorpio Sky, his change from change from earlier in AEW when he first came in and he was a, a tag team champion for a while? How have you seen his uh, character development? Like, what what have you seen him improve on so far? No, I mean, I haven't seen his character develop. Like, I, I mean, in the in recent weeks, he's oh, recent been weeks. cool. Yeah, I, I really, because Dan Lambert is one of my favorite things on AI. I, he's such a great promo in terms of the passion that he pours into his promos and how good he is. And I think that's been really good for both him and Ethan Page, who I really like. Um, but in terms of character development, like, that's so funny. That's what's so funny about when people say, well, Scorpio Sky. What about Scorpio Sky? First tag team champion. What about that? Yeah, and then what? And then what did he do? What did they do with that? Like, he was tag team champion. And then when it went to FTR, went to the Young Bucks or whatnot. And, and then they came it never yeah, happened. yeah, exactly. And then they just kind of shuffled them off, and there was no character for Scorpio Sky. I remember they were doing a couple of weeks of those kind of sit-down interviews with Scorpio Sky where he's talking about his life. And that's when I'm like, okay, cool. They're, they're doing something. They're creating a character. But then they just drop that cold. And since then, I mean, I can't tell you much about Scorpio Sky in the context of his character of AEW. I've seen the guy wrestling for years across the Indies and stuff like that. And I know that he's super talented and a very dynamic performer in terms of somebody who's very funny. He's one of my favorite characters in being the elite uh, in that era prior to AEW coming on. I thought the sketches they would do with him and Frankie Kazarian were absolutely hilarious Great. in the chemistry that they had. Uh, but they just, I haven't seen that side of Scorpio Sky until recently, where they're now starting to put him with Dan Lambert and have him talk more. And so I really do hope they invest more in that guy because he's a talent. Yeah, he really is. He's he's somebody I want to see grow. I want to see more of him on the mic, like more promos from him, because we haven't been seeing much of that lately. And then uh, there's, there is one partnership I do want to see in the future with AEW, and that's a partnership between MLW. Because it could open a door for superstars like Calvin Tankman who could come in and do some work yeah. with uh, Scorpio Sky and uh, uh, and uh, Will Hobbs up there. Yeah, EJ Ndoku is another one who he was in WWE and you would think that is a prototypical WWE talent. This guy's ripped to shreds, turns heads in an airport, as they like to say. He's got a great look in MLW. He slipped through the cracks and he's like a a draft pick for them, like a blue chipper that I think is going to thrive in MLW. I don't expect to see MLW and AEW working together anytime soon because there's a lot of black, bad blood there. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew, but you know, I'm friends with, I like Court Bauer, I'm very friendly with him. And, you know, we talk and he's not very uh, pleased with the amount of talent that uh, in his regard has been stolen from MLW. Oh, MJF was 
you know, yeah. in MLW, he had a contract, yeah. somehow ended up in AAW, became a big star there. Same thing with Brian Pillman Jr., which actually kind of got ugly behind the scenes. And I think that MLW is a little miffed that AEW has been able to kind of finagle this talent over there. And I don't think they would have a, a working relationship anytime soon, but you never say never. They, you know, yeah. especially in the world of wrestling, there can always be a working relationship. We heard MJF shout out MLW on AEW TV. And I think that was, him, again, he shouted out Bruce Pritchard, too. I think that was kind of an inside thing that we all know how much WWE and AEW will never work together. For him to say MLW, I think, is along that same vein that, you know, MLW is kind of doing their own thing right now. And I think they're doing a really good job when they're thriving. I really want more and more people to get invested in MLW because they're doing it right. And they're doing a lot of innovative things that I think are going to be stolen uh, by the mainstream companies over the next year or so. So I want to kind of segue to your opinions on the NXT because you do the NXT post game show and I want to know what you think right now of NXT 2.0 what do you think of that compared to what it was where do you think that that show is going and can we all agree the name Braun Breaker is absolutely horrible he is such a Steiner in every way looks like his dad talks like his uncle works like both combined like he he's a incredible worker in terms of where he is right now to the experience he has i mean i love braun breaker but i hate that name you know and a lot of people do rick steiner was such a badass name that's such a name like that's the name i think rick steiner would have legitimately named him like you know what i mean uh so yes the name sucks Uh, i love braun breaker nxt 2.0 is interesting because i like it, it like the way i like rocky horror picture shows where it's just this our two hour long train crash in some ways where they're throwing all this stuff at you. And I really do think they need more focus and there's a lot that stands to improve, but I have fun watching it. You know, I don't really take myself too seriously watching NXT 2.0 and I do have fun watching NXT 2.0 because some of the wacky stuff they do actually ends up working. A lot of the comedy they do, I think ends up working. NXT comedy kicks the hell out of what WWE does on the main roster. Uh, I think uh, most weeks. And I just think that they need more focus. They need to decide which one of these guys right now in this first wave are you going to push? Because that's the thing about what made NXT so special. They had their different classes, right? And their different eras. They had the Bailey and Sasha era. You know, then they had the era where um, Shayna Baszler was dominating. Then they had the era where Asuka was dominating. Then they had the, you know, the era of the Undisputed era. And so it's different groups of people who then get to graduate to the main roster. And this version, it's like they're trying to do all these eras at the same time. And you're just seeing all these characters being thrown at you and all these promos in the and all these segments. And I feel like there's not a lot of focus, but it can be a lot of fun. You know, it, it, it kind of feels like um like a like a like an indie rhythmic kind of thing, but at the same time, it, it's just wacky, like a, a Shikara, that's what I'm trying to say. Like how Chikara was, where Chikara could be really fun and really funny, but it could be really bad when they're really trying to go for that wacky, over-the-top type comedy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a good comparison. Yeah, and yeah. I agree with the statement about Braun Breaker. He, he he has everything that a Steiner has. Like, he he, he has... Even his shinglet, it looks exactly like uh, Rick's shinglet in the in the '90s when he tagged with uh, with uh, his his brother. Yeah, absolutely. He is a carbon copy. It's so weird watching him. Uh, it's uncanny just how he works like his father, just how explosive he is, you know. And he's got the muscle bound, you know, physique uh, and and the powers just- too. You can yes. see him when he presses somebody over his head. It's it's unbelievable the strength he has. 
Uh, yeah, and I just love watching the guy, and I see what they see in him. But, again, this is classic WWE. When they get excited about somebody, they just start overthinking it, and they overmanage and micromanage, and we got to change his name. And then, you know, next thing, they're going to shave his head. They're going to shave his beard. Then they're going to say, don't talk like your uncle. you got to talk like this. Talk slower. Don't yell as much. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I hope that they don't micromanage yeah, him. Yeah, they really don't. I think you just need seasoning, and then you just put him on the main roster the way he is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. If it isn't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Going off the NXT 2.0, how would you compare the NXT 2.0, the NXT we have now compared to NXT when it originally started, like NXT Arrival? Do you think they could do something similar with that, Uh, come up with a pay-per-view show similar to that design, but not exactly the same name, just like a different flavor, a different idea of it? That's the million-dollar question when it comes to NXT is what's going to happen to TakeOver? What is going to happen to the pay-per-view model? And WWE has been radio silent in terms of how that's going to work. Like, what are all these TV segments building toward? And I think they need that in place. They need something in place in terms of we're going to have a pay-per-view here and there because the ratings fell off a cliff last week. And, uh, you know, they're starting to kind of lose viewers. And if you don't have a direction as to what you're building toward – you're not going to have an audience. You know, that's the foundation of wrestling, whether you're building to a big live show that's going to sell a bunch of tickets, a big pay-per-view that's going to sell a bunch of buys, a big television show. You need to build towards something, and I just don't see that with NXT. They're just throwing stuff at you, but they're not creating these storylines. And, no, you know, until they do establish, whether it's an arrival, like you said, but uh, or a takeover or whatever they end up calling it, takeover 2.0, they need something in place to where they're saying, we're building toward this. Um, because then, given where the ratings are right now, I don't think it's going to help that people don't know where this is going. Absolutely, and they they need something that mm-hmm. that can uh, draw an audience. They need a, a they need star power. They need guys that are going to draw people to these pay per view crowds and want to be there for these pay per views live and in person. And right now, yeah, and that's a good point. And to your point there, they needed to, I think in the draft, they make a big mistake by not having main roster guys go to NXT. This is a perfect opportunity to take maybe a Cesaro, an Apollo Crews, people who they're not doing anything with on the main roster, putting them in NXT because these are names that people who watch the main roster product are going to recognize. And they could be these kind of veterans. It just can't be all these NXT veterans because that's only going to have so much of an audience. They really need main roster people on that show because 655000 in your third week is not good at all. No, it's no. not. It's and not. It's, it's not going to make the cut on the, the the demographic or TV rating. Yeah. And if you go back to when they had Sasha and Bailey on there when they were the tag team champions, they did some of their best numbers compa- when they were competing with AEW. That should tell them they should have more guys from the main roster on NXT. I don't know why they're not doing that now. I think they were just too prideful and they didn't want to have to take their big guns to have to compete with AEW. I think they would have rather have had NXT beat. I know for a fact that WWE's dream and their plan was we're going to take this third, not secondary, tertiary show. We're going to take this third rate show of ours and that's going to beat AEW because we're WWE and that's how we roll. And and that didn't happen. And I just think it was arrogance that not only the Sasha Banks uh, show, but they had Bailey or um, Becky Lynch on a show one week and it did better. Uh, I think AJ Styles was on a show one week and it did better. So that formula does work when you have main roster people there. And I do think they should be cycling main roster guys in and out. Even if they're not like members of the NXT roster, you need to have main roster people on this show. It's becoming patently obvious. So I want your opinion, and it's one of the biggest talked about subjects right now. And He was one of the biggest stars in NXT history. 
is Kevin Owens in his contract. In your opinion, where do you think he's going to end up after his contract ends? Because Sean Ross reported it's going to be ending at the end of January. Do you think he goes to AEW and jumps ship over there? Um, do you think he stays? And what do you think the ripple effect would be if he does go to AEW? I don't think there's going to be much of a ripple effect, but sure, why not? I mean, he is the AEW prototype. He's a guy who got over in Ring of Honor 10 to 15 years ago, and they're signing guys like that left or right unless you're Jay Lethal. They don't sign him, but they want to sign Adam Cole, and they've got Brian Danielson, they've got CM Punk, and Kevin Owens was in Mount Rushmore with Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. But I could see Kevin Owens in AEW. I'm watching Kevin Owens these past few weeks, especially last night, and he just looks checked out. He looks like he doesn't want to be there anymore. He looks like he doesn't care. I know that was part of the segment last night in terms of him just kind of shrugging his shoulders and being aloof, but it just doesn't look like he's got a purpose there. And I think he realizes that they're not really doing much with him. He just lost the feud to this comedy character and Happy Corbin and this madcap moss. And I just think that we'll, we'll see with Kevin Owens. I think that would be a great candidate of somebody to go down to NXT 2.0. I think that would reinvigorate him, but I don't know if he'd take offense to that or whatnot. I know he does love NXT and he does have a great history in NXT, but we'll see, man. I, I think uh, AEW would be the favorite to get Kevin Owens come 2022, uh, especially if WWE continues to book him, kind of like an afterthought. The promo from AEW last week, the one with Arn Anderson and Cody Rhodes, yeah, Lee Johnson in the background just like trying to decide, hey, uh, do I agree with Arn or do I agree with Cody? <laughs> Uh, I can see he's kind of he's kind of mixed between the two. Yeah, the most funny about that is that uh, after he cuts this promo talking about his Glock, which I just thought was such a great promo. I'm gonna get that T-shirt. I know people were kind of put of put off by the fact that Arn's talking about his Glock, but let that man live. Arn can do whatever he wants. But the funny part about that, to your point about Lee Johnson, is he just goes, "Come on, Lee." And Lee's just kind of like, it's almost you can see his internal monologue, like, hey, man, I'm just going to go with the guy who's got the Glock. Like, no offense, Cody, <laughs> Unless you have an AK-47 or something like that, I'm going to go with the guy who has the Glock. You know, I would have done the same thing, probably. Well, Alfred, I want to say thank you for you to take the time out of your day and coming on. Yeah, we got to do this we again, had, man. You guys are great. This is just a lot of fun. We've had Raj come on a couple times. Um, we've had a couple other guys come on to few times we would love to have you come back on i know josh was looking forward to talking to you but he had an emergency he had to take care of so thank you again um you're a great person to talk to i really enjoyed this so yeah thank you and uh, you're always welcome back on anytime man don't be a stranger to, with us feel free to connect with us on twitter and before yeah. you go how can the listeners and uh followers of our show find you on social media Absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at This Is Nasty, uh, YouTube Pro Wrestling Bits. I have a lot of fun there. I'm on Wrestling Inc. Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, covering uh, NXT, AEW, and then SmackDown and Rampage. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun uh, here. Next time I come on, I'm going to be on a laptop, uh, and then I'm going to have better lighting, too, because I kind of look like the Black Undertaker here. But uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we have great lighting and everything. And, and this has been a lot of fun uh, talking to you guys, though. It looks like you guys have a great thing going here. You guys are clearly knowledgeable about the wrestling product, and you really asked a lot of questions that like unlocked a lot of thoughts that I, I didn't know I had. So this is always the best form of the interview is when uh, you kind of challenge me to think and like, oh, wow, that's actually an interesting point or interesting question to, to bring up. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for coming on of us. and uh, Hopefully we can do this again in the near future, man. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I'll see you soon. Thank see you. you soon. That was Alfred Kona, the... Uh, podcast. He's a pod. He's 
he's yeah, po- he's part of the Wrestling Inc. podcast, and he's a writer for Forbes. What did you think about that interview, Lyle? What did you think about the questions he uh, went off from us, like the answers that uh, he gave us? Um, that was probably one of the most fun interviews we've ever done. Yeah, had a lot of fun talking. To I him. loved he's, it. Yeah, he's a very uh, uh, what's the right word? Had a great personality, and he's very talk. He has he can carry conversation. He's fun mm-hmm. to talk to. I like that. That was, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's sad because a lot of people on Twitter think he hates AEW and he's this anti AEW guy because he calls out a, a an issue in AEW, which mm-hmm. he even he said it isn't a AEW sole issue. It's a professional wrestling industry yeah. issue, and it's not true that he hates AEW. He likes the product, as he said here. Um. But no, it's he's a great guy to talk to. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to have him back on. Um, but absolutely, I, I next time we have him on, I want to hear his, his like the full story about the sit down interview of Bret Hart. I would love to hear about that. You could have asked him now before we went. Yeah, I could have. I, I could have done that. So we're gonna go to break. But when we come back, we'll get into AEW Dynamite from this week. We'll talk about Bobby Fish and what's in store for him on this episode on this coming episode of AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. We'll get into some news on Lana teasing possibly joining AEW and then we'll get into Dark Side of the Ring and our this week in wrestling history and the finishing move. So stick with us here on Off the Map on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Off The Mat here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Again, I'm Alex Lowe's with me is Lyle Gillen. And before we get back into our topics, again, here's how you can follow us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can follow us on, follow us on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter at show slows. Follow Lyle on Twitter at Lyle Gillen underscore and follow Josh Silverberg at Josh Silverberg. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at off the mat WWSRN and follow the worldwide sports radio network on Facebook as well. And don't forget to download the WWSRN app. It is absolutely free. You get our show schedules, show bios. You get all of our episodes you may have missed, including uh, clips from our show and more information and articles. So please, please be sure to download that app. It is available on Apple iPhone. It is available on Google Play in the app store, app store as well. So please be sure to check that out. Also check out the off the mat WWSRN website. It is available in our off the mat Twitter bio. 
you click on that website, it'll take you to the Off the Mat website. We have a show and pay-per-view schedule for the month of its month of September leading into October. Then we have a show archive for all of the episodes that we have done here on Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Also, we have a special guest interview archive as well, where you can see all the special guests that we have had so far here on Off the Mat. And check out our contact page. That All of that is with a click of that link. So please, please check everything out because as we continue to grow as a network, we everything is going to get better from here, ladies and gentlemen. And now it's time to get into... The G1 Climax 31, and it's it's looking pretty close, Lyle. A lot of people have been scoring some points. I saw Chase Owens beat Tanahashi. Yeah, that surprised me. In, in like in less than eleven minutes, he beat him. That is yeah, that cool. blew me away. I was very surprised by that. I thought I thought uh, Chase was going to be able to hold his own there. Keep keep on. Keep... Are we going to get a Chase Owens push? Is Chase Owens going to no longer be the jobber of Bullet Club? I don't know happen. I have no idea. <laughs> well, but, if, if, if you were, if you did know, I mean, that would make you Gato, and we would be talking a lot more than just G1, my friend. Mm-hmm. And here's the, here's the updated card for Block A and Block B, the scores. In the A block, Kota Ibushi has eight. Great Okan has eight. Kenta has eight. ZSJ has eight. Shingo Takagi has six. Tomorrow Ishii six. So Ishii's gaining some leverage here in the G1. Uh, Toriyano has six. Tangaloa has four. Yurjiro Takahashi has four. And Naito is at zero because he is out on the injured list. Block B, Jeff Cobb has 10. Okada has 10. Evil has eight. Hiroshi Tanahashi has six. Sonata has four. Tai Chi has four, Tamatanga has two, Yoshihashi has two, Chase Owens has two, and Goto has two. So uh I'm shocked with Goto. Yeah, Goto's making it. Goto has to kick it in gear, man. Because has, you know the G and G1 stands for Goto. So yeah. like I'm, I mean I some know. right now it's looking like to me, because I I remember I posted something on Twitter like two months ago. Uh I had two people I wanted to win this G1. So I picked Evil and Great Ocon, and I can tell you right now, they, they're very close to the gap here, neck and neck, because they're, they're, they both have eight points. Who do you think wins the whole, the whole fucking thing? The whole fucking show! Who gets it? Uh, I, uh, I would say... Who am I looking... I'd say Great Ocon. It would be down to Great Ocon and... Um, Okada, yep. Those would be the last two. So, we both, we both think that Okada is going to win the whole thing, right? Yeah. They're not going to take great great Okan. And, no, they're not going to let and, great and, Okan win. And no. put him in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> when they're having probably the... The worst year with so many injuries and the uh, yeah. pandemic. Yeah, they're not, they're no. not going to let great Okan win. No. I think it'll be a solid match him and Shingo. You can't really have a bad match with Shingo Takagi, but I I think that Okada. Yeah, you know, Okada's going I, through. Chicago, uh, Chicago, um, Shingo Okada. I put them both together. Um, Wrestle Kingdom. 
have had, I don't know how that won't be match of the year. I I, don't, I can't see it not getting it. I, I still think match of the year right now is Jay White and Ibushi. That match was phenomenal. And this is like the so- second year in a row where New Japan has the match of the year at Wrestle Kingdom right after the, the year starts. And it's like, <laughs> follow that in the next 360 days. Yeah, but it's crazy. It's, it's been a great G1 so far. Yeah, uh, it's been amazing. I, actually, this has been one of my favorite G1s the past two years that they've had this tournament Like since I started watching New Japan. Yeah. How long ago did you start watching? Oh, I started watching probably 2019, yeah. I started around 2018. Um, just after, uh, uh, What got me into it was the Kenny Omega Okada uh, number four. And then I went back and watched other stuff. And watched a bunch more, and I, it's just so, so good. I I, th- I think that the 2010s were 100% New Japan's era. They yeah, won. It was. They were they were the best promotion of that decade. And honestly, I wish. Shibata I don't know what they're doing now. Like it's it's. It's it's sad to trying see to the, find someone yeah. else that can be the, the big name since they lost Okada. I mean Omega, but it, it, it's a shame because I, I wonder what would have happened if Shibata didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, they did have Goto Hiroki Goto up there for a while. I don't know what happened. Like they had so much momentum on him, they had him winning a bunch of matches for a long time, and now he's just at the bottom. Like why? They do that though. Yeah. So, what do you think of the friend of our show? And we'll. This is this is gonna be our. This will be our segue into AEW. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the friend of the show, Leo Rush? He's officially elite. What do you think, Alex? I'm excited for him. I'm happy for him. I cannot wait to see what they do with him. And I think a, the a good startup match for Leo Rush for AEW would be to put him against Will Hobbs. I honestly think that would be an amazing match because they Starks, both, huh? Ricky Starks. That you can put be, on Ricky too. Oh, I'm not that would be Ricky amazing. Starks out either. I think that would be phenomenal. I think those two could. Yeah, they could definitely go at it because they have a similar style. They have the sim- the similar uh, uh, wrestling background. And you put those two guys together, you have a really good match. You really do. Yeah, they do. I think. Ricky Starks is probably the most underrated guy in AEW right now. I think he is a mainly main event talent. Yeah, he is, and I, I, I'm, I'm wondering what they're, what have it, how, what have they done so far of him? Because I haven't seen him on TV lately. I think he got hurt again. Um, oh. or no, I think Brian Cage is not a hundred percent, so they're uh, keeping him off TV to con- that so would make sense. Yeah, he can come back and continue that feud. Um. That's what I believe. I could be wrong. So getting into AEW, what was your favorite part of the whole show? Because I could tell you right away, my favorite part of the whole event was Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole. The yep. stuff they were just throwing at each other, the, the amount of like moves, like the overhead belly-to-belly suplex or... Where the snare trap that he got out of in the Panama Sunrise, uh, they were just neck and neck throwing everything they had at each other. And nobody, nobody was backing down. Nobody was like, 
nobody was stepping off the gas. I, I have to say I did not like how they had someone kick out of the uh, uh, Panama Sunrise so soon. Um, I think they should have kept that as something that was... Really yeah, I think they could have ended the match right there. But um, What I do want to say is I am so excited for Sammy Guevara winning. He is extremely good. He deserves it. And mm-hmm. now AEW has two... No, I'm sorry. Three minorities as champions in out of their four belts. Um, the Lucha Bros and Sammy Guevara. He is a uh, Cuban-American, so he is, he's of Cuban descent. But um, it, it's... I, I think Sammy Guevara is a great talent. I think he's He's over as can be, and he deserved it. Like I mentioned when we were talking with Alfred, I think Hobbs is a guy who is going to take the belt off of Sammy. Mm-hmm. I think it's night and day. The way they're building Hobbs up as a big heel, um, the, the big face that Sammy is, I think it'll be Hobbs that eventually takes it off of him. Um, maybe not right now, down the road, but yeah, it's, I think it'll definitely be be. Hobbs, I would love to get your opinion on what you think think of Miro's title reign and what you think of Sammy Guevara winning. So Miro, Miro, his title reign as TNT champion was amazing. I thought it was a great run for him for a while. Uh, I just they made him look strong. They made him look over. And they made him like a, made him look like a superior athlete. WWE had that niche with him for a while, but then they lost it. They lost they lost the grip on Miro. And then Miro eventually got tired with what he was doing there. And that's why he went to AEW for that reason, because he wanted to get a better opportunity and see see how he could run with his character there. And it paid off for him. And he got he got a title title uh, opportunity i don't care who wins this match as long as it's entertaining as long as they uh make it look good and they make both stars look good in the matchup and it's strong and it it uh gets received well who do you think the Uh, joker is in in the uh, ladder match sorry to make a change like that but who do you think the joker is i'm not sure i think it's hangman it could be Hangman. hangman adam page i think that is money right now I think it's perfect, and I think that he would have the biggest pop as, as can be right now. I think it. it, it I, 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 I'm, that's what I'm looking forward for the most this week coming up mm-hmm. is seeing Heyman come back. Yeah, if it actually is Heyman. But going back to the Bobby Fish match, uh, what do you think of that match being announced, Lyle? Um, and I wanted to say when Alfred was on, but I uh, completely forgot because he was talking about the MLW, AEW, uh, kind of having it on. Bad, bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because Bobby Fish is signed with MLW now. Yes. And he's, he's, signed talking, with the- he's talking about it on his Twitter how the forbidden door is opening. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is what he's talking about. He is opening the forbidden door and then he went to AEW. Now he has an AEW shirt. Mm-hmm. So maybe things are warming up. Maybe they're getting a better relationship now. They but- could be, but I wouldn't count on it yet. I wouldn't necessarily uh say it's it's safe to say yet but i i think this match is going to be unbelievable because you got two guys that are very experienced bobby fish has been around the world just as much as sammy Guevara, so this is gonna be a great match they're both high flyers 
They're both good grapplers. They're great strikers in the ring. So it's it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top in the end. But we all know it's going to be Sammy Guevara because they're not going to let him lose the title that early. It, no. It, no, it's not happening. Do you think he could have a shorter title reign? No, pass- they're not going to do that to him. And pass it over to Hobbs quicker? Uh, they could, but um, I would like to see him run with it for at least a while before they hand it off to Hobbs. I, I would agree. Um, now, when do you think that they put the belt on Hangman from, from Omega? Mm, that's tough to say. Probably not full gear, but maybe Revolution? I think it'll be a couple of weeks after full gear. Yeah. Um, I don't think Hangman wins the ladder match if he's in it. If he is. I think that he wins the title eliminator tournament. And that is how he gets his um opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it comes back full circle. They had the title eliminator match a year ago when it was him and him and Omega. And Omega won to get the belt. Now he, he lost an opportunity. Now if he wins the Tournament this time, he wins his opportunity and wins the belt from Omega. It tells a more complete story, in my opinion. I think it would be a great way to do it. Um, I hope they do it because then I'll feel very smart, but you never know with AEW. Mm-hmm. And what did you think about the Dark Order, their match against uh, the Heart, the Heart, uh, the Hardy Office? Because I thought that match was great, but I could tell there were still there's. St- there may still be some dissension in the dark order and what they really need is some leadership. I think they need better well, leadership. Uh, I think, yeah, Bray Wyatt, if they sign Bray Wyatt and bring him over, that would be great to have uh win, win him as the leader of the dark order. Did you watch we, dark uh, elevation yesterday? Elevation? No, I did not. Um, I don't know who was on elevation or I don't know why I'm still doing this. Um, or if it was on uh, Being the Elite. I think it was on BTE, where they kind of made up, and they were all a big, giant, happy family cult again. So, so there's no... Dis- well, there could be, but I would... If there is, it would really be weird, because they just made up on BTE. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Cause I, cause I was just going off off what uh, Excalibur said. What did he say again? Uh, that he said there could be, st- what could there still be dissension? Like he's thinking that yeah, it but might if it made up on BTEs and maybe yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but uh, overall, this this week's AEW Dynamite, I would give it a, a solid eight point seven out of ten. I think that's a fair rating for this show. This week, I'll agree. Eight and a half, yeah, about that. And then there's this rumor. This there's this uh, rumor about Lana possibly going over and joining Miro in AEW. What do you think about uh, her going over and being being added to the AEW women's roster? If that if that happens, I pray she never wrestles. I pray. I think she's terrible in the ring. Keep her out of it. She's there to stare at her when she's at the ringside of Miro. No offense to anybody watching, but no one wants to see Lana wrestle. Even when she was in WWE, no one really wanted to see her. 
No one cared about her wrestling. She's not good in the ring. People, there was literally a thing all over the internet about her legs. You don't remember that? No, I don't. I don't recall ever seeing that. Lana's legs? Oh, God. She, she always wore like a short skirt. And had long legs. But we'll start to get into Dark Side of the Ring a little bit, if we sure. can. Did so I it? I did watch it uh, about okay. Anita. Uh, and I, I loved the episode, but at the same time, it, 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 all, it all made sense to me because this is what gave uh, Deathmatch rush, death Wrestling a start. This is what uh, pushed the boundary for Deathmatch Wrestling and built a foundation around Deathmatch wrestling today. And I think it's uh there's there's a lot of tragedy with FMW. There's a lot of tragedy with Anita because he got injured uh early on in his career and then he came back for a little bit and then he got hurt again and then he started to pursue an acting career and retire and then he came back after that. And then uh I forget which Funk oh, was was it uh Terry Funk yeah Terry Funk was in it for a while, um Sabu was there that was that's basically what made Sabu's career before he started in ECW, so it was it was an interesting Dark Side of the Ring episode. It was definitely interesting. Um, a lot of people were talking about how. Oh, Nita was at fault. This was before the episode really. I before I saw the episode, people were talking about how O'Neill was at fault for um, what happened to Hayabusa, and what happened to the uh, announcer that he gave FMW to mm-hmm. um, when he killed himself. Um, I didn't see that having to do anything with O'Neill. I don't know how you can blame him for that, and no, how that can be his fault, how he could have any knowledge that any of that could happen. You can't really sit there and think, oh yeah, he's tef- definitely going to go to work with the uh, with the uh, yakuza, Hayabusa is definitely gonna break his neck. You can't predict that. No. I didn't blame Onita for that, but it was a very good episode. Um, not one of my favorite ones because I like the really depressing ones. That's mm-hmm. I'm crazy. I like the story that they told about Sabu and his career, though the one where uh, he they said he got cut so badly by barbed wire. That he needed to spend a night in the hospital, but yeah. they took so long to stitch him up. He just decided to patch him up using crazy glue himself up using crazy glue. So I, like, I have so much more respect. That's crazy. Like, every time he got that. cut in a match, he would use crazy glue, bro. I never would think of that. That's amazing. I don't think any sane person would. Sabu also wrestled, yeah, and then it's he, it goes on because I'm looking at the description from the episode that he wrestled in one of the most infamous FMW matches, which is what it was a fire that went wrong. Yep, uh, th- that was cool to watch on TV. I did not watch the actual uh, match. I I do want to do that, and after seeing that, I wanted to go back and watch that and see what really happened. It was really cool. Yeah, there's just it. it it, there's a lot of story. I love how they tell the story and how they opened up the episode going into this story. 
by introducing all these wrestlers and personalities and how all this began. And it says uh, in the description, before ECW in the U.S., there was FMW in Japan. So FMW was the... Predecessor to ECW, pretty much. Yeah, the backbone going into ECW. It was very interesting seeing how much it uh, inspired... I almost said expired. How much it inspired ECW? I did not um, realize that. And you know what? If without FMW, we probably don't have. You don't have ECW. You don't. don't you wouldn't. You would have never gotten ECW. Yeah. You don't have GCW today. You wouldn't have ECW at all. Nope. You wouldn't no. have any any of these good, um, hardcore promotions that are out there. So. Yeah, and then yeah, there's yeah. there's one in Florida too. It's I forget. It's called I uh IRW or something like that. Or what about IC- the uh, what about the DWL down there in Florida? I haven't heard of that one, but I know what IRW is. Oh, okay. What about the uh, FWD? That one I haven't heard about either. No? Oh. So you don't watch the TV show Heels? I haven't. I have to start watching that. I heard it's really good, though. Well, that's those two promotions are from that show, so I was trying to bust your chops on that one. I, I, I assumed you would watch it, Alex. You're... No, I haven't watched that yet, but I've been watching a lot of Dark Side of the Ring and the Monday Night Wars documentary. Well, I, I gotta tell you, Alex. Okay, <laughs> I gotta tell you. You know what you should watch. It's funny. It's funny because I was talking to my dad about wrestling the other day, and my dad just like he'll listen, but eventually he'll just get tired. He'll just stop he has, like, He's like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't even know who these people are, so it doesn't matter to me. And I'm just like, I mentioned to him um, Hawk Hogan uh, when he first started wrestling in his early on in his career that his uh, who? Hawk Hogan. Hulk, yeah. So Hulk. I mentioned, I mentioned uh, his manager. His men- his manager was. Um, oh. Is that is that no, a he, uh, Florida accent? Yeah, his, I'm trying. Uh, his manager was Freddie Blassie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Freddie Blassie was Hulk Hogan's manager for a while, early on. And then, like, and then he started wrestling in Madison Square Garden, where was he had a match he, against uh, Ted DiBiase in 1979. Was that when he first started in? in was it in WWF for the first time? Yeah, for the first Before time. He yeah, got, he had his thing. I think he Classy, got released in Blast, 79, man. and then he went to AWA. Yep, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's. Definitely a good show, Heels. You should definitely watch it. You know what other show you should watch? Completely separate from wrestling. And I just finished watching it, and I can't wait for season two to one day eventually come out. Squid Game. I'd have to check that one out, too. It's on but going, back to, going back to Dark Side of the Ring, I found an article from Wrestling Inc., and it says Dark Side of the Ring uh, F- FMW episode drew a record low for the series. And uh, the FMW episode reached, if I go all the way down to where it uh, mentions the 
average of that episode. 126,000 viewers with a 0.04 rating in the 1849 demographic. That's for season three. Yep. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, which one? I'm seeing like which one had the most, uh, most on average. Like which one had probably, the probably Chris Benoit episode. Or Chris Owen Benoit. Or yeah, the Chris Benoit episode has definitely a lot more. By just just by what I'm seeing, they, the Chris Benoit episode had 320,000 viewers with a 0. 0.14 rating in an 1849 demographic. So it's beaten all the other episodes, pretty much. Every episode that they've had. Because the other ones are like between, like, I would estimate 163 to 226, 229 around there. That's what I'm seeing. It's pretty crazy. I I hear these numbers that their viewership did, and I'm like, what? That's really low. Yeah, it is. And then I think to myself, wow. Wow. What AEW and WWE gets for viewership is insane. And it makes me think, you know, maybe the viewership for Rampage uh, being like 600 to 650 and then still being like number th- in the top three, top four of the charts every every Friday is really, really, really good compared to what they would normally get in that time slot. Mm-hmm. I would. I'm really interested in knowing what they would have, what they normally had in that time slot. Yeah, it's it's uh maybe they maybe they were competing with something else during that time. That could be possible because it was on a Thursday, so they could have been uh, competing with a different show. Uh, so no, Vice network. is not on. No, NFL here it is. Uh, yeah, they they were competing with NFL Thursday Night Football. Oh well, yeah, but yeah. Vice is normally not. A channel that everybody gets. No, like, I didn't even know I had it until I complained to Josh at Fubo got rid of it. That's how I watched Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And then they're competing with uh, ABC too. What so was that, on ABC? That uh, Grey's Anatomy on ABC topped the night on network TV. Eighteen. I bet you watched that. No, I did not. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. It's just I, that's what it says here on the website, on the article that I was. I think written. you're looking at what you watched. No, I'm not. This is from Wrestling Inc. This what, what date was this? October fourth. It was posted so yesterday. Did you give Raj that as like that's what was on because you were watching it? No. <laughs> I I think we should ask Raj. If and- you want to, go ahead. But uh. Before we go to break, let's quickly quickly talk about the WWE draft results. From go for it, my man. The SmackDown and Raw roster picks and the all-undrafted superstars. So for the men's Raw, we have Big E, Randy Orton, Riddle, Edge, Keith Lee, Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, Damian Priest, AJ Styles, almost Kevin Owens, Montez Ford, Angela Dawkins, Dawkins, Finn Balor, Kieran Cross, Gable Stevenson, Drake Maverick, Reggie, Akira Tozawa, Chad Gable, Otis, R-Truth, John Morrison, T-Bar, Apollo Crews, Commander Aziz, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, Jackson Riker. Why do you still call him T-Bar? I hate that name so much. I don't know. 
Like uh, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, and The Miz. And then for the women's Raw roster, there's only 14 there. Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, Becky Lynch, Alec- Alessa Bliss, Carmella, Nia Jax, Selena Vega, Dow Drop, Dana Brooke, Liv Morgan, Mia Yim, Tamina, and Tegan Knox. For SmackDown, uh, men's 29 roster, Roman Reigns, Drew, McIndi- Drew McIntyre, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss, Isaiah Scott, Top Dalla, Ashante Diodonis, Jeff Hardy, Jimmy Uso, Jay Uso, King Nakamura, Rick Boogs, Seamus, Eric, Ivar, Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo, Angel Garza, Cesaro, Ridge Holland, Sami Zayn, Drew Gulak, Mace, Mustafa Ali, Mansoor, Jinder Mahal, and Shanky. And for the SmackDown women's roster, Charlotte Flair, B-Fab, Naomi, Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Zia Lee, Aaliyah, Tony Storm, Shotzi Blackheart, and Natalia. So I would say the best, uh, I think, the which roster picks would I, uh, who, who would I say has a better roster right now? Um, I would say SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown has better than Raw right now in the draft. Because what I'm seeing from the Raw men's is like, yeah. Yeah. What in the hell kind of name is Happy Corbin? I don't know. It's so stupid. Like, why did they keep changing around his gimmick, dude? It, like, just stick with Baron Corbin. Just stick with his NXT gimmick. Like, no, it, just make him fucking King Corbin again. Yes, King Corbin. Like, I stop like that. With, stop messing around with it. <laughs> Leave it be. He was getting good heat. <laughs> Yeah, he was. But he was no, getting legit heat. He's gone. Yep. It's so dumb. He was getting the best, like, overall, re- like, hated reaction. And now it's just, it's gone. But I'm interested to see how uh, how uh, Hit Row, uh, how they do on SmackDown. As you it, know, uh, they're getting it, a lot of heat now on Twitter or on social media. And it's why? very interesting to watch. Um, I think Top Dollar is kind of, like, talking shit to people. Uh, and... <laughs> I, people are I saying think that. Top, like, I think it, it's. I think it's because Top Dollar has no filter. No, what happened was pretty much. Well, I, I'll say he's not. Really, he's not really talking shit. People are saying that they weren't ready. They weren't ready for him. I guess no for them to be on. Uh, oh, for them to be moved to SmackDown. You mean yeah? Yeah, and they were anyway. They're kind of taking that personal, and and they're kind of. And, but I understand. I would too. I w- I would believe in myself. Yeah. So what, um, what what is your biggest head scratcher on the in the entire draft? What do you see and you're like, huh? What I see that doesn't make sense is um why do they have let's see. Um why don't they have um Seth Rollins on SmackDown still? What he I want to know who was is, good there. Like why did you why did they move him to Raw? It's it's not gonna make because nobody it, gives a crap about Raw and they want to make people watch it. Yeah, because Raw's just a bad product right now. So if moving to Seth Rollins is just gonna moving Seth Rollins to Raw is basically going to kill his momentum. It's going to destroy his momentum with Edge and that whole story. Well, didn't Edge get go there too? I think he did, yeah. But 
what I am interested is I've been hearing a lot of rumors about this, but I am very skeptical of it. And I'm afraid that WWE is going to basically demolish this character and destroy it from the inside out. And by that, I mean, Jeff Hardy's will of the wisp character. Oh, I would love that. But I don't want WWE having any control of it. That's what I mean. I don't want WWE to take control of it because they're going to destroy it. Maybe making Brother Nero. That'd be cool. But he he has been uh, talking about bringing that character to WWE. But I know he said he wanted it. That's probably the only way he'll ever get a real push ever again. Is is with Willow? Yeah, yeah. But there is Itchweed too. He can bring Itchweed. How do you think that will get received? Uh, I think it would be a mixed reaction. People would like it and people would hate it. I think it would go over well, but he needs to have different attire than he had in TNA because TNA yeah. kind of looks like kind of junky, kind of indie. You need something better. And if he does that, then yeah, I think it'll go over very well. Yeah, they could bring Itchweed in too, kind of do something with that. They could. Definitely. So, yeah, that's the WWE draft update. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we'll get into uh, this week in wrestling history. Um, maybe we'll get into uh, some more breakdown of the G1, uh, the matches, and then we'll get into our finishing move, and that will be the end of our show. So stick with us here on Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Are you ready? Now welcome back to Off the Mat with Alex Lowe's, Josh Silverberg, and Lyle Gillen. Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for the final hour of Off the Mat. It is time to get into this week in wrestling history. This one is WWE in your house, 18 Bad Blood from Sunday, October 5th, 1997. It was in the Enterprise Center, a.k.a. now Scott Trade Center, Keel Center, Savvy Center in St. Louis, Missouri. The attendance was 21,151. The first match was D'Lo Brown, Kama Ustafa, and Rocky Mavia defeating Animal and Hawk, the Road Warriors, in a handicap tag match. The second match second match was Max Mini and Mini Nova defeating Mosaic and Tarantula in a tag team match. The third match was Henry O. Goodwin and Phineas I. Goodwin defeating Mosh and Thrasher, the Headbangers, for the WWF Tag Team titles. The fourth match was Owen Hart defeating Farouk for the WWF Intercontinental Title Championship, and that was a title change. Number five is Eight Ball, Chains, Crush, and Skull, LOD, defeating... uh, I think that was an LOD. Yeah, it could have been. Defeating... G- Jesus Castillo Jr., Jose Estrada Jr., Miguel Perez Jr., and Savio Vega in an eight-person tag. And number six was Bret Hart and the British Bulldog defeat the Patriot Invader in a 
flag tag match. And number seven was Shawn Michaels defeating The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match. I have to say my favorite thing about the Patriot is that his theme was literally the exact same song for Kurt Angle. Yep. <laughs> it was. And they literally wrestled like a year and a half apart. Mm-hmm. Like, how dumb does WWE think people are? How many people <laughs> do you think when that song plays their first time, they thought, yo, the Patriots back? Nope. Oh, and wait, no, that's uh, that's Kurt Angle. Yeah. With a broken freaking neck. Yep. But, but after, that, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good, uh, this week in wrestling history. I picked. Yeah, it was great. I, I enjoyed that one. That, that was a good card. And now we'll get into some results from the G1 Climax, the, the night seven of the tournament. A little description on uh, how the matches were. So Tangaloa and Tamora Ishii in block A. This was not an easy match for the faint heart as both Loa and Ishii were determined to pick up their first in-ring win of the G1 Climax. Lots of heavy strikes and forearms were delivered in the opening bout of the match. And it looks like uh it looks like a Tangaloa would get the win, but when he hooked he hooked in Operation Jado Killer, but the stone pitbull reached the ropes, causing a a break in the pin. After a bit more brawling, Ishii would still land his vertical drop brainbuster for his first earned two points for the win. So that that's it that sounded like it was a rushed match. Yeah, by basically what I'm reading and what I saw, it looked like a rush match. It looked like it was just like an opening start to start for the show. Like they weren't going to take as much time with this match in particular, because I guess they wanted to get to the other matches that had build up, which which makes sense, you know. Yeah, it, they always do a very good job of booking the G1. Yeah, they didn't, and it's uh, for me, I, I. I thought this match was okay. I mean, you could have, if you really like watched the whole match, I think there could have been a lot more to with how to put over both stars in this match. It would have been, uh, you could have had them go neck and neck kind of like how they do with uh, Shingo and uh, Tomoro Ishii when they put them together in uh, just regular one-on-one matches. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's a good, good observation. Because people really get into it, and I see the crowd getting into it. Because they'll, they'll, uh, Shingo, he'll do his like, uh, his normal, uh, his, uh, forearm strike and then the clothesline combo and then pull them around into like another clothesline. And people just go wild for that. People get up on their feet for that. I have to say, the best sequencing is come from New Japan. That's something that they, I've always been a huge fan of. Um, the way they have some sequences is just, Eye-opening, and it's just so good. Yeah, I remember seeing one sequence where, um, who was it? It was Bushi and ZSJ, and Bushi was going for a, a Torpe Suicina dive on ZSJ, and ZSJ saw it coming, and he grabbed him as he went for the dive into like a a, a head, a, like a headlock, and then he picked him up from by his head. And DDT'd him right into the mat there. I was like, that's unbelievable. Wow. To see that kind of quick turnaround from ZSJ and, and like 
uh, capitalize on off a move like that. That was insane. Zack Sabre Jr. is probably probably one of one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world right now, in my opinion. I think they're I think he is tremendous. Yeah, he is. And I would love to see if the, if if AEW was able to get him over from Japan and have him wrestle for one match or two, a couple matches. I would I would love to see ZSJ against uh, a, a, a submission specialists like uh, who do we Brian have? Brian Danielson. Brian yeah, Danielson. Put him against Brian Danielson. That's going to be insane. It's that'll it's, be a, an amazing match. Yeah. And then one of the other matches I enjoyed from this event was Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi. I I thought that was a great match. Um, Sounds uh, great. Yeah, uh, it's just because uh, he this move was insane when he went from the he ran from the center and he did like a a almost t- t- almost tight bot Fosbury flop move, but instead. It was like a, it was a, um, it was like over the ropes, like a type of moonsault dive onto Tanahashi. It's amazing to see the level of like, of athleticism these guys do. Like Japan just doesn't mess around. Like they go all out. They don't, they don't care. Pun intended. Yeah. Pun intended. Yes. They go all out. Yep. Uh, you know what always gets me is uh, I love this every time. Every time I see Evil wrestling, he does it. He does this on purpose, and he knows the timekeeper's there too. And the timekeeper's like, "Uh, should I should I move or should I stay here?" <laughs> and they're telling him to stay put and not to move because <laughs> he has to ring the bell because that that's his job. And you just see someone get whiplashed, like Evil just whiplashed him into the he. Throws that guy into the guardrail, and you just see the timekeeper's table get flipped over, and he falls. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, he is evil. Everything is evil, pretty much. Yep, it's so funny to see that. It's 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 great. Uh, every time I see them do that, it, I it, it makes the show even more entertaining. And even with uh, Yano Toru. I was watching. The well, I love the, yeah, I was watching the beginning of the G one this year, and it was a match between him and Kenta, and Kenta had the same idea as him. So Yano had like a piece of tape on the uh, the entranceway where the structure is, and he took the t- piece of tape and he was gonna tape Kenta to the structure. And Kenta's like, no. And he kicks him and knocks him down. And he sees another piece of tape. I mean, it's crushing. Tries to take it. <laughs> so That's funny. Yeah, it, it's so entertaining when they do stuff like that. Because it keeps it keeps everybody glued into the, to, into the tournament. And uh, it keeps everybody watching. And it's been amazing so far. And... It's. Uh, I'm very interested to see how it ends, but uh, something tells me it's going to be Okada and somebody else. And that it's been great Okada Okada earlier. Thing. Yeah, it could be Great Okan. It could be someone on the same level as Great Okan in, uh, in 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 wrestling. Someone who has the same kind of almost a similar type of style as him. But well, we'll see. And then. I, I was watching New Japan strong a little bit this week. Um, I thought that show was pretty good. 
Uh, the one guy I really want to see uh, that I haven't seen a lot of uh, perform yet because I haven't really got into uh, New Japan Strong is J.R. Kratos. I hear this guy's a uh, he's a monster. He 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 he's a behemoth, dude. He'll, he'll just pick somebody up and toss them. You know, I'll be honest. I haven't really watched much of uh, New Japan Strong, which I should because I heard I've heard it's very good. Um, so I'm not as familiar with him. Yeah, and then Tom Lawler, he had a match against Leo Rush, and he, he defeated Leo for the Strong Openweight Championship. So Tom Lawler won that title. He, I think he had it before for a little bit, and then I think he dropped it for a while and then just got it back. That sounds about right. And then Chris Dickinson had a, a defeated Royce Isaacs, and then J.R. Kratos defeated Fred Yee. You know who I want to see more of on this show? And who is it that I saw on there before? Fred Rossier. He was... Well, that was uh, Darren Young, right? Yes. That was Darren Young. Okay. Uh, he's been on strong. He, I think he had a, a couple matches over on the, in Japan on the New Japan roster. Um, and there's a fun fact, a fun story about New Japan. I think I've told this before many times, but I, I um, if I it is, I'm going to start calling you Josh. I don't remember if I told it, but I know it was about Alex Coughlin, Alex Conlin. Yes. Conlin. And you were sitting front row and, in the, after the show, you saw him in the parking lot and he asked you what you thought of his match. Yes. Boom. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> you know who else was? You know who else was on that card at the time? Alex Zane. Really? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that I, was my first time seeing Alex Zane wrestle, and he came out to the song he has now after leaving WWE. Uh, "Downfall of Us All" by A Day to Remember. That's the one he comes out to. Uh, he's in GCW now, right? I think so. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's actually. In GCW, but he was wrestling for GCW a couple times. I think he's just, uh, I don't think they actually have contracts like that, but yeah, he was on that card that day. Uh, Jeff Cobb was there, I saw him in a match. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Jeff Cobb was there, Chase Owens was there, Tam- Tamatonga, Tangaloa were there, uh, Yurjuro was there. Oh, who else was there that I saw? The one guy that was supposed to be be there was Jay White, but he he for some reason he he couldn't make the he couldn't make that uh, show because he missed a flight. So that sucked. Because I was really looking forward to seeing him live. That's funny. That's very funny. <laughs> I was really looking forward to seeing him on that card. And who else was there? Uh, Cole Cabana and Yano Toru. My dad thought they were hilarious. He was so into it. There, because uh, they were in a tag match as a tag team together. He's like, "No, you go first. He's like, "No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. All right, we'll rock. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll rock. We'll rock paper scissors for it, and whoever uh, loses has to get in the ring. And they do that, and uh, Coca Banna lost, so he had to start. <laughs> it was so. Who did they face? Uh, I'm trying to who who I'm trying to remember who did they face. Um. I can't remember who it was so long ago. Um, and then who else did I see? Oh, Juice Robinson was there and David Finley. And congratulations to Juice Robinson, anyway. 
just got engaged, Tony Storm. So I guess you could say now Tony. Tony getting, Robinson or something. To, no, no, Tony's going to be getting some of the juice, juice, juice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those were the guys that I saw like live. And that was my first like live New Japan event. And Mine I remember, was G1 Supercard. Yeah, that was at the St. Petersburg Coliseum in Tampa. And oh, that's the day I, that's the day I met. Um. That's the day I met uh, Lance Archer. That's really cool. We had him on our show when we were takedown breakdown, Josh and I, and he was a really fun interview. Yeah, I hope one day we can get him on off the map, but I hope so. That'd be really cool. We have to try and get it get him through AEW, but I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, you'd have to go directly into uh, directly contact uh, AEW to get him on. Before we get to our finishing move, what else could I think of to talk about story-wise? Oh, yeah. This was interesting. Um, my friend, uh, Chris, he is a deathmatch wrestler. Um, he goes by, um, it's like a cowboy gimmick, a cowboy Chris gimmick. Well, that's pretty he's, cool. Yeah, he's a deathmatch wrestler. So he's like, he's wrestled for some uh, some deathmatch promotions up north and by... Uh, by the by, um, Daytona Beach and down that way, and he's done some matches there. I uh, I I've actually there was one time I commentated a match for him, and that oh, was really? very dangerous because it wasn't it wasn't like uh, it wasn't <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden it was all match. backyard. It was it wasn't like a professional death match thing. All of a sudden a uh, a shard of glass that, that long and that thick is yeah. A pizza cutter comes flying in the air in your direction. That'd be scary. There's gonna be eight pieces of Alex clothes. One whole pieces are enough. We don't need more. Oh, my friend had to get eight. How many stitches? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, he had to get like thirty stitches in his back, dude. Really? He From took what? a full golf sling to the back with a fluorescent light bulb too. A full-on swing. Yeah. And I could just see all... You know, it was, it, I, I could just see... That sounds blood, painful. Yeah, I could see blood pouring out of his back, dude. It was it was the most horrific thing I've ever had to commentate live. It was so bad. It was like I was cringing as I was seeing that, as I was describing that. Yeah. That's gross. Now it's time to get to our finishing move, and my finishing move is my birthday's coming up, October 11th. Yep, I'll be 24, which is crazy to think because I don't. It's like time just goes by like this, like very fast. Yeah, and, unfortunately, it does. And uh, me and my brother are gonna go to Universal, so that would be a lot of fun, and uh, go to. Uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I'm very jealous of that. I love Harry Potter. What's your finishing move, Lyle? What do you got? So, Tessa Blanchard has signed with a wrestling company. She is now signed with WOW Women of Wrestling. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. I, I'm kind of... Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's speedy, yeah. Well, I, I would have gone if I didn't have to work that week, but... It is what it is. Dude, it's 
three weeks away. Yeah, but they already scheduled me. I'm like, dang it. So you could take off. They already switch scheduled me for it. Switch with somebody? They won't let you switch at all. That's just, I don't know why. That's, it is what it is. I'm not arguing with them. That sucks. Yeah, but you said uh, something about uh, Tessa Blanchard signing. Yes, she is signed with WoW, and I am kind of disappointed that she signed with them. Not because I want her to sign anywhere. I want her to sign nowhere. She's a racist. She does not belong in that company or in any company anywhere. Yeah, I, I could agree. I can agree with you on that because I've seen the stuff she said on t- some of the things she has said on Twitter and stuff she said on social media. And I'm like, uh, why would you even think of mentioning that on social media to begin with? I don't. She's she has issues. And wow, must be really desperate to bring her in. I mean, like. There's a reason a, a, a Tony Khan won't do it. Because she's racist. Yep. And then uh, before we before we finish the show, here's how you can follow us again on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. How you can follow us on social media and uh, where you can catch us on our pages, our website. Please be sure to check out the all, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network website. That is www.worldwidesportsradio.com. That is www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Uh, you can also download the WWSRN app. It is absolutely free. You get access to show articles. Uh, If you missed an episode, you can replay an episode from the app on the go. Uh, You can check out uh, clips from our show, uh, interview clips, uh, show articles, show profiles, and more through that app. Also, check uh, check us out on on, uh, social media at uh, WWSRN underscore radio. That is WWSRN underscore radio. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook. Uh, follow us here at Off the Mat on Twitter. Mine is at ShowSlows. Lyle's is at LyleGillen underscore. And Josh's pro- profile tag is at Josh Silverberg. You can also follow Off the Mat on Twitter and Facebook at Off the Mat WWSRN. Check out the Off the Mat WWSRN website. The website is available in our Twitter and Facebook page description. You click on that link, it'll take you to the Off The Mat website. We have a show and pay-per-view schedule from September into October. We have a show archive with all the past episodes that we have done for Off The Mat here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We also have a Special guest interview page with all the interviews we have done with special guests here on Off the Mat. We also have a contact page where you can contact us directly to our Gmails. And also we have a uh, show uh, show article page as well to check out that I extended from the Worldwide Sports Radio Network page. 
So please, please check out everything we have available. Uh, uh, please download that app, the WWSRN app. And um, it's available on Google Play, Apple iPhone, and you can get it on an Android device as well. Also, if you want to listen to us on the go, you can listen to us through Apple Pod, through the Apple app, from the through the Apple Podcast app. Excuse me. You can listen to us through Spotify, Google Play, Anchor FM, Breaker, and Overcast. So please be sure to download our episodes every week, and please stick with us every Tuesday night from eight to ten p.m. Eastern time because we got a lot more amazing things to come and look to and to look forward to. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, I enjoyed the interview with our special guest. I wish uh, Josh could have been here for it. I mean, he would have loved it. Uh, hopefully next time we have him on, he can join in on the conversation and uh, pick up some points from this interview interview that we had with him. But ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it. Thank you for tuning in. It's time to end the show. So what do you have to say, Kenny Omega? Take it away. I must beat you at you. So stay with me now if you know it. Goodbye. And good night. Thank you for listening to Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Your source for all things wrestling and sports entertainment. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.